I'm Rob. I'm John. And this is the Mint One Podcast. Where we talk all things NFTs and the rise of blockchain gaming. Crypto is a fast-moving industry. How do you think perceptions have changed? They've changed a lot. The sounds of Web3 shift very quickly. Let's discuss. Right. Firstly, as we are British, we must discuss our favourite topic, the weather. Yes. Which has been... Yesterday was the hottest day since records begun in the UK and... We will talk about the weather as as British people. We will talk about the weather in drizzle and overcast, which is ninety percent of our weather. Yeah. So yesterday, you can only imagine what people were saying yesterday and how many conversations I had. I was sick of talking about it, but I was also extremely cranky because it was thirty nine degrees where I was, and my office doesn't have aircon. Uh, I, I was. I said to John before the podcast came on, it, you know, if if we had this arranged for yesterday, I'd have just cancelled because I was. I I mean, I was just, I was just sitting on my, I mean, this isn't a visual you want, but now you've seen my face. I was just sitting in my boxes at my desk <laughs> and having a shower every 90 minutes. Yeah. It was just, it was absolutely obscene. And today is still pretty hot. So I am, I will gradually become shinier as this podcast goes on. <laughs> I think yesterday was more about survival than, than anything else. <laughs> survival. Yeah. Yeah. And I, do you know what annoys me? Can I, sorry. Can I just continue my rant? Because sure. I, I feel very strongly about this and uh, I've been on my own for like 24 hours. So I've had no one's rant to. Um, Loads of people are saying, oh, but, you know, Dubai has 40 degree temperatures all the time. Dubai's a desert. Uh, yeah. Our average temperature is nine degrees yeah. for, the, for the year. Our, that's our average temperature. Dubai is a desert and they have built their buildings and their infrastructure with that in mind. Mm-hmm. So we are not remotely prepared for this. And I have, have I melted yesterday. I mean, I, I lost so much weight in, in 24 hours. It, it's just, it's chaos. And and all these people that are, like the BBC were just going and finding nutters on the street of like South End who are just out at <laughs> one o'clock in the afternoon with no sun cream on. And they're like, so what do you think of the weather? And they'd be like, well, I, I lived in Australia and this is still hot. And I'm like, oh God, what, what are we doing? What are we doing as a people? Uh, sorry, completely irrelevant to this podcast, but it, it is that. Well, I think the UK, just to follow on the point about the weather, because we are British, we need to talk about it. Um, the UK just isn't built for the heat. No, none of British infrastructure is built to withstand any sort of temperature. Like As soon as it got hot yesterday, trains couldn't run, planes couldn't fly. <laughs> yep. Everyone's house was hot as hell. Nobody has air conditioning. Yep. Like Air conditioning isn't a common thing here. So, it's I pointless. I mean, why would you have it? For... I more than once yesterday. How many times did I go? I think it was three times. I took the twenty-minute walk to my local Sainsbury's just because the entire supermarket is air conditioned, and it was—I don't know—it was maybe yeah. twenty degrees, but it was a good—it was a good respite <laughs> from the heat. Yes, and um, it was ridiculous. I actually um, it, it hit about one a.m. last night, and I just took a walk outside, and it was still kind of not unbearably hot. But a lot warmer than it should be past midnight. <laughs> oh, know, you- it, it was ridiculous. I went to bed, at, funnily enough, I went to bed at one last night, and um, my child and partner are currently at her mum's. So, uh, I had the room to myself, but we have a we have this little thing like when you have a baby, you have like this thing that looks like an egg, and it says the temperature of the room, and you have to try and get it between sixteen and twenty degrees. That's optimum for a baby, so they don't you know overheat and, mm-hmm. and all the bad shit happens. So, I had that on for for reasons I don't know. I still had it on even though the baby was 20 miles away. And I got into bed and it was 31.1 in my room. I mean, who can sleep in that? And it's there was no wind. No wind at all. It was just perfectly still. I was just enveloped in in heat and I'm I'm still really quite angry about it. Yeah, no, I had to move my uh, my portable aircon from my office to the bedroom last night so I could sleep yeah. and I've not moved it back up yet. So I am Ooh. sweltering up here today. Yes. But we Same. will I, uh, I'm getting shinier. We will but yeah, muddle but, uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> we will <laughs> yes. muddle through um regardless. I guess before we get yeah, onto the sorry. main topic of the uh of the pod, wax is above one dollar again. Uh not one dollar. One dollar <laughs> Wax. Why am I bothering with this podcast? <laughs> Wax is above ten cents again. I meant to say. Oh, okay. Um, right. So my my resignation has been withdrawn. <laughs> Perhaps things are are on the up. Um, you know, we're above a one trillion market cap for for crypto in general as well. So, you know, maybe we're starting to see um, starting to see the end of the current bear. Who knows? But yes, I doubt um, it. I doubt it. 
on to the uh, the topic for this podcast, which is kind of yeah. how um, the culture of Web3 has changed over the years. And in the intro, we kind of included blockchain as well with that. Because, of course, um, blockchain started, wow, it's 12, 13 years ago now? No. We're, oh, no? This is, that's a common misconception. And Ooh. so I, I had maybe 30% of the information I can give you on this now. But okay. I wanted to check when blockchain was actually invented. Mm. Um, and it's far earlier than people realize. And okay. I, so I've never actually read the Bitcoin white paper. I don't mm. know if that makes me a bad person, but um, I've never bothered to read it. Yeah. And I started doing... So I, I was trying to get an idea of how people perceived blockchain technology when it was first invented. Um, and was it just sort of like this really niche cryptography sort of maths enthusiasts that cared about it? Or was it something that the public were aware of at large? And I think it's probably the former, but it goes back way further than I thought it did. So um, were you making a larger point that you would like to continue with? Because I rudely interrupted you. Um, I was going to make a general point about how, hey, you know, crypto's been around for 10, 12, 13 years and a lot's changed in that time. But that was yeah. That was the <laughs> that was and it. Then, really, then you got absolutely railroaded. In. Um, yeah, I mean it, it, that is broadly true. Still, two thousand and eight is when I, I think most people mark the start of crypto in inverted commas. Mm. Um, obviously, with the Satoshi's white paper. But sh- shall I give you a little little history of pre Bitcoin? Because absolutely, I. I knew a, a tiny portion of this and that's why I was so excited to share it. It's not because I wanted to correct you. It's because I didn't know almost any of this. Um, so f- firstly, digital, uh, This I think this really genuinely does play into the whole question of how perceptions have changed in Web3 because you've got to look at where it came from roots-wise and how it's become something that doesn't even resemble what it was initially made for, even mm. though it was made with many of the things we're using it today in mind. So... I do, I'd be surprised if you knew this because I don't think almost anyone knows this. The first attempts at digital currencies was made in 1980s. Oh, wow. Did you know that? No, I did not know yeah. that. I had no idea. Um, they failed. There was one that started in 1989. I'll come back to that one, actually. So the first real mention of blockchain um, was by the inventors in 1991, which is, again crazy to me mm. um and this is a, essentially the alleged birth of cryptographically secured chains of blocks and it was by two people who should be way more fa- famous than they are um scott stornetta and Stuart haber they are i mean you don't even need to read their cv to know how clever they are but, but they've got between them they've got a phd in computer science and a phd in physics from columbia and stanford universities um and they invented blockchain. And what they invented it for was to solve the problem of authenticating digital documents. Uh, and what I didn't know is they are cited in Bitcoin's white paper. Okay. And they they started working in this area. Uh, and this, this I find this quite funny. It's kind of a callback. But uh, they started working in cryptography because of zero knowledge proofs. And back then, zero knowledge proofs were just starting to emerge and now they're so so important as we move away from the sort of harvesting of data that we we've had from the likes of facebook selling user data and uh, do i have to say alleged allegedly selling user data i don't know i don't i don't know if i I don't i I doubt i doubt their solicitors are listening um if you don't know what a zero knowledge proof is anyone because i wasn't that clear until i worked with a company called nuggets fairly recently um it's where one party can verify another party's statement as true without sharing any additional information. So this is currently really popular in trying to make crypto payments safer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this company, Nuggets, that I did some writing work for, they, they're trying to bridge Web 2 and Web 3 in terms of payments. And they use uh, ZPK, ZPK to not share anything between parties. So what's traditionally happened is Someone was, a website will say, for instance, um, how old are you? And you put your age and your date of birth. And then they say, where do you live? And they receive all this information. And obviously it's become a problem now storing that information and uh, GDPR and all that. But 
this is how it's traditionally gone. So they've got all this information on you. ZPK uses uh, a different system where instead it would ask yes, no questions. So it would say, is the user over 18? Yes or no. Is the user based outside of the US? Yes or no. And that's all the person gets. So that they'll just get a, if they were looking at doing a transfer, they'll just get yes. Like the transfer can go through because it's ticked all these boxes, but they don't get any information. And basically these guys were working, so they, these guys were working on ZPK and blockchain. They invented blockchain technology. So they are the godfathers of of crypto. And I had never heard of them. Did you, had you no, heard of them? Never heard of them. It's kind of sad, isn't it? Like everyone knows Satoshi, despite the fact we don't even know if Satoshi is a person or a group. <laughs> and these, these two literally invented blockchain technology and nobody seems to know who they are. But I, I'll continue this brief history lesson, which is uh, sourced from various places. Uh, so I was looking up anything they'd actually said on crypto to see if their intentions could marry up with today's sort of view of, of crypto. Okay. Um, they said, so this was um, Scott Stornetta said, the real concern uh, I had was with the fact that society depends so much on its record keeping. This was about 30 years ago. And so I think he said this pretty recently. Um, he said it to the Bitcoin Association. Um, back to the quote. And I could start to see that this would be the transition to entirely digital records. So, I mean, he can see the future for, for one, because that's exactly what happened. Um and he said, I knew how easy it was to alter digital records without anyone noticing and felt that if we couldn't find a way to ensure the integrity of these records that we kept, how could we build any sort of trustworthy infrastructure on top of it? Again, he's seen the future. Like, that's that's exactly the problem yeah. we, we tried to solve with this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he says, as if this wasn't good enough already, he said, for me, the question was how to create an immutable record. Uh, so... And the, but their, their first paper was called How to Timestamp a Digital Document, which hmm. only goes a very small portion of the way to what they ended up solving. But I just, I, I think it's crazy how much of the bedrock they, they laid there in these early stages in 1991, like 17 years before <laughs> any of this really came to fruition. Yeah, I think they've... Um almost kind of actually predicted one of the best uses of, I mean, not just Web3, but of the internet in general, is that if you think of any record, any piece of information going any amount of time back in the past in any field, that's now baked into the internet. You know, we, we rely mm. on on Web2 and the internet for so much of um, our ability as a, as a species to remember things and remember what the past yeah. is. You know, what used to be cave paintings and manuscripts is now just Wikipedia. Mm. <laughs> and, and Web3 is helping to kind of push that forward and, as you say, making immutable um, data um, available to, to the masses, in a sense, especially when it comes to transactions. Um, you know, having that that ledger, that public ledger that's uh, no human can alter and it's based on a sort of a consensus network is I think mm. fairly well fulfills their uh, kind of original um, thoughts behind uh, this technology. Absolutely. And I don't think they could have predicted how user data would become a commodity mm. that is widely traded against the user's will. Yes. Uh, and that, you know, ZPK solves that or at least goes away to solving that. And I'm just, I just can't believe that they aren't more famous. And I think it's a little bit sad that they aren't. But then they were kind of, so they were creating Bitcoin. They weren't, sorry, they were creating blockchain. They weren't trying to create a digital currency. Mm. But people were using this technology. They were using this technology to try and create digital currencies in the 90s. So after this was, after this happened, people, uh, it kind of shocking to me how quickly people realized okay, well, let's make a currency using this. So there were loads of attempts. I, I couldn't be bothered to list all of them because there was quite a few and many tried, many failed. Yeah. Um, the most famous before Bitcoin is the only one I'd heard of. Uh, and someone else said it was the most famous, but it just happens to be the only one I've heard of, uh, which is DigiCash. I don't know if you've ever heard I of it. Very it vaguely recall. It didn't last that long. Um, it was created by a computer scientist and a cryptographer, and it got a load of interest. But basically, the banks wouldn't use it. They wouldn't use blockchain technology. Mm. And the company went bankrupt in 1998, which uh, is still 10 years before anything happened. However, 
this history lesson is just I, I hope it's interesting to someone because it's, <laughs> it's gone on a while now it's well, I find it interesting so yeah. maybe, maybe it's just this is just for me but still uh, in the same year 1998 um, Nick Zabo created something called BitGold um, this is another thing I I hadn't heard at the time because I was 10 but I had heard references to I've seen references to this since because obviously Bitcoin for a long time was called digital gold which it no longer it no longer is really called that yep but that has stuck around for a while and a few people a few journalists that I follow referred to Bitgold so Bitgold was and again this this really does blow my mind 1998 Bitgold was created and it was a decentralized virtual currency using blockchain it used cryptography mining time stamped blocks proof of work uh, and several other things that are just part and parcel with with cryptocurrencies I mean I want to. I want to get this guy. Can we get this guy on the podcast? Can we get oh, I'd love Nick Zabo on the podcast? Yeah, because I want to know if he's bitter or not. <laughs> because he created Bitcoin before. I mean, he didn't. There's there is there's huge differences, and he didn't have the same intention of. 2008 was the perfect time for this sort of thing to happen. Obviously, with the the huge recession and the collapse of the housing yep. market. Yeah. But still, you've got to think. I did try to create something almost the same as this and um, it just, it, it never took off, but it's called in multiple places that I was, I was looking, multiple resources refer to it in the exact same way. They say that Bitgold was the precursor to Satoshi Nakamoto's Bitcoin protocol. They use those exact words. Hmm. So, I mean, it, it, that is cool. I mean, that's a cool, uh, that would be the best start to a CV I, I can imagine. <laughs> But you'd also, I'd feel particularly hard done by that. I was so ahead of the curve that that people just didn't even... Re- it's like being a, a trendsetter in fashion. If you're too far ahead of other trends, you look ridiculous. And yeah. then the trends catch up and they're like, oh, actually, he was kind of cool. Like, remember those like skinny jeans, like super, super skinny jeans? If you wore those in when baggy jeans were popular, everyone would be like, what's it? You're insane. Like, what are you doing? They must be painful. And then, you know, the indie Cindy sort of era came along and everyone's wearing them. And, and then if you wore baggy, you, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, yeah. if you're too far ahead of your time, you're seen as an idiot. And it's happened, you know, in all industries. But yeah, I just, I had no idea that things went back as far as the 80s in terms of digital currencies and 1991 for blockchain technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so uh, history lesson complete. I'm going to have a sip of water. <laughs> well, potentially, what if Zabo is Satoshi Nakamoto? Who knows? Oh, <laughs> wouldn't that? And he admits it on our podcast. <laughs> I don't. I don't believe whoever or whatever Satoshi Nakamoto is will ever publicly reveal themselves. Maybe after they've passed mm. or something. But I think we're we're going to be waiting an awful long time to to figure out who the uh, the father of cryptocurrencies is. Basically, but I yeah, think the, the mystique is valuable though. I know oh, absolutely. Side point. Yeah, absolutely. I think finding out would be disappointing. It's like meeting your heroes. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. But uh, no, it's interesting to hear that there effectively there was cryptocurrencies prior to cryptocurrencies. In a mm. way, you know, there there were things prior to to Bitcoin that um, were based on the, the same sort of rules and uh, ways of working. Uh, and uh, Zabo basically invented what a smart contract is. So, you know, mm. a, a lot of these things that many people associate Bitcoin as having created um, were concepts from years ago. Um, yeah. The kind of Bitcoin just kind of put them all together in a way that was, um, I guess, a bit more user-friendly, a bit more usable, something people could understand a little bit more. And I mean, if you look at what's the price of Bitcoin today, 30K? About 20, 20, about 24K. Um, it's gone up 25% last week. Interesting. Um but yeah, I mean that to think that he or whoever Satoshi Nakamoto is um, kind of hit it big with Bitcoin and Zabo, as you said, potentially doesn't have the um, the recognition he deserves now. Um, is uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting history lesson there. But uh, com- kind of coming on to the point where you were talking about um, jeans, I can't actually recall the time in my lifetime where baggy jeans were fashionable. But that's kind of besides the point. Um, over the last. 12, 13 years since the founding of Bitcoin, the 
kind of what you might term as quote unquote the average blockchain user or the average web3 user or nowadays the average nft collector has changed drastically um mm. if you think back to 2009 with bitcoin it was you know it was tech nerds it was programming nerds it was people that were very invested into these very niche hypothetical uses of the internet um, of course it was a yeah. very small community back then and then even when bitcoin started to uh get a bit more traction let's say you know 2013 14 it was still for the most part internet nerds and you know it, whenever mainstream media picked up on um cryptocurrencies it was like hey all these computer nerds are making all this money off this technology that makes no sense yeah uh, basically. and at, at some point between let's say 2014 to so when NFTs first started kind of entering mainstream culture, maybe two, three years ago, mm. um, that shifted from, um, hey, these are just internet nerds to, hey, these are crypto bros and like young people that are kind of technically sound when it comes to internet yeah, you know how the internet works or the internet machine if you're you know 70 years old and have now made tons of money and that i think from that point is when kind of more casual people came into the space like i mean i i think both of us i mean i know myself uh, i can speak for i mean i wasn't aware of the pre-bitcoin history of cryptocurrencies um i've not read the uh, the bitcoin white paper um, you know, I came in relatively recently. I don't have that kind of technical knowledge of how it all works, but I appreciate and have faith in the technology. So I guess you could call me, I don't know, I don't know whether a casual fan of cryptocurrencies is the way to, is the way to describe it. But there's a lot of people coming into the community now, and I say the vast majority of people um, that are getting into Web3 and NFTs and blockchain technology that their their actual knowledge of how this all works is it's well near non-existent you know they just appreciate what an nft is and what it can provide to them and potentially they just want to be along for the ride to see where this technology goes in future so mm. i think it's it's been an interesting kind of as nfts and blockchain technology and web3 has become more mainstream it's found a more mainstream Audience, I'll say the vast majority of people in the community now are, as I've said, people that aren't as technically sound as they were, say, you know, five, ten years ago. Um, but for cryptocurrency to become properly mainstream, uh, obviously at the moment, you, there's multiple wallets, there's multiple chains, there's, oh, are you using a self-custodial wallet or not? Um, do you know what a nonce is? Do you know what a blockchain <laughs> transaction is? Do you know how to read... I don't know, um, not Alcor, although that's a token trading site for, for EOS tokens. What's the um, blocks? That's the one. You know, do you know how to read all these transactions on blocks and do you know what all the technical knowledge means? Um, I think at some point in the next, say, next few years, in general, we're going to see the, the blockchain space become far less, uh, at least front-facing, um, far less technical. Um, yeah, I think it needs to be that way, if um, if we want the technology to become as widespread as we'd like it to. Mm, um, I feel like you should jump in because I am very much rambling. <laughs> no, no, I, I was enjoying that, uh, and uh, we we do our format is is more back to back sort of soliloquy tennis than than <laughs> interjecting much. Um, just just to point <laughs> point out so people don't think I'm insane. The reason I laughed at the word nonce is because I was thinking <laughs> of the company. As, I mean, you know what nonce I was finance. thinking of. Nonce Finance, who had to change their uh, name because they didn't realise that nonce is very well-established slang in the UK for... Um, I'm not going to say, because uh, I don't know Google's your be- Google's your best friend, so <clears throat> go, go, yeah. go and Google it. Although they've, yes. they've, anyway. they've now renamed nonce finance to Nibble. Which I'm not sure is the best. It's still kind of creepy. <laughs> it's, a bit, it's a bit odd, isn't it? <laughs> anyway. I mean, uh, it's better. It's better. Anyway, yeah. Moving so, on. <laughs> uh, the, the first thing I was going to say is 
Can you imagine someone going back to 1991 and telling Scott Stonetta and Stuart Haber that at some point there's going to be people called crypto bros for being interested in this? I mean, it must have felt like the furthest thing from bros possible when you're working on high-end cryptography. Because which is so, this shows how far we've come, how far yep. has been travelled, that it's now so mainstream that it, it has its own subculture that is ridiculed, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think every major subculture in history has been ridiculed. You, you mm-hmm. can't escape that. But it's funny to me that it's something so mathematical, so nerdy, is they're called bros because they act, They, I mean, they act like they bros. And a lot of these people probably don't understand blockchain no, tech. Not no, that no, I, no. I'm an expert. But then... This comes back to what you were just saying, and th- and this I think is crucial. We don't, we shouldn't need to understand it, and I think we've said this before. It's like knowing how to build a car just to drive one. It would be silly for that to be expected, and the degree of knowledge you needed to own a car a hundred years ago was significantly higher than it is today. You know, there wasn't check oil, check engine light, you know, there was a lot of maintenance that had to be done on a daily basis. Whereas now you take it in once a year for an MOT, three years for a service. I mean, it's so easy. My dashboard tells me when anything is remotely wrong, from my seatbelt to my door to the engine to everything, it, it, everything. And it, and it likes to, it does like to, mm-hmm. to show me those lights work, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but the, the change we've seen is something that we we need to see uh, an accelerated version of in in crypto because, uh, and this is definitely something we've discussed several times. But we can't expect we we need to cater for the most vulnerable, yeah, and absolutely. they need to be protected, and we can't expect people who aren't super into tech to have to understand these difficult processes just to to interact with Web three. That's untenable and. If maps, mass adoption is the aim, which we think it it should be, and I think even if it even if you don't think it should be, I think that's where it has to head because it's revolutionary technology and will improve a number of industries, if not most industries. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we need to get to this place where you know your grandparents can just fire you over some Bitcoin when you're poor or you know you know send you an nft they've had for 100 years like we need to get to the point where it's just really straightforward and simple Mm. and that's why we bang on about onboarding all the time and games like skyweaver that onboard you without really mentioning what's happening they just here's your wallet address you've now got a wallet well done play the game like you don't need to think about it whereas a lot of other games i remember the first actually this is going to go against my point but I try to be honest, so I will. Uh, the, one of the first blockchain games I played that felt like a real game um, was on Engine. And I thought, how the hell am I going to sync my wallet with this game? It's going to be a nightmare. But that that was actually because Engine had an SDK mm. and wallet integration was actually pretty smooth and pretty quick because you could use the Engine app to scan a QR code and then you, you linked it to the game, which is a good example of probably where we should be around now, if yep. not slightly better than that. Mm-hmm. But a lot of other games have been utterly insane to to set up. Like you have to go to a separate website to set up the wallet. You then have to get the right keys and the addresses. And then I've even had a I can't remember what game it was. One of the games I had to I had to basically do a transaction to prove that it was my wallet. So I had to send like a very tiny amount of crypto. I mean, it was mm. just insane. And and that is it's just not conducive with mass adoption. And we no. we can't. So we we have to get to the point where it's just effortless, like like online banking. I mean, a lot of the early resistance to online banking was how difficult it was and how it felt insecure. It felt as if you were vulnerable to theft. And that is kind of how you are now in, in crypto. Mm. It's, it's very easy to get scammed and, and that's an issue. And I, I still think maybe I'm alone here. Um, and this is the final point in this soliloquy. So it is coming <laughs> back over the net to you shortly. Um, one thing I think... It's still really weird is signing transactions. Uh, the yeah. the way the UI is set up, the way I'm pre- presented with code. Mm. And, you know, I have a very basic understanding of code. I'm not a developer, sadly. I, I, my dad was a computer programmer, but didn't decided not to instill in me that coding was important 
Um, <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't do it, uh, unfortunately. But that level of understanding to, to spot a scam is ridiculous. We, I yep. mean, that we cannot have that. Every, even things like blockchain brawlers, when you know, I press brawl and then I have to sign in a smart contract. And I get that that has to happen, but it, it can't, like, am I meant to read that? In other circumstances, yes, absolutely, yes. You should be reading that smart contract. But people treat it like terms and conditions. They yeah. don't read it. And I understand why they don't read it, but we, we're at an impasse. We, we need to figure out how to make this more accessible and easier without sacrificing anything. And I think, we, I think surely we can. Yeah, it's been something, um, obviously I work for Atomic Hub, something we've been thinking about lately when it comes to kind of warning messages, mm. is that um, we're basically redesigning a bit of the kind of new user experience at the moment, and we want some sort of message to pop up before a, a new user purchases their first NFT, just asking them to, you know, check the collection name, do a bit of research, blah, blah, blah. But it's it becomes very tricky to, to word something like that in a way that, doesn't scare people away doesn't mm. turn them off it makes them trust it's safe um it, it's it's very very difficult because if we put something there that's like overly let's say it's like oh if you purchase the wrong nft you could lose all your money or oh you know you might be buying non-genuine nfts or fake nfts then people are just going yeah. like well, what the hell is this like i don't want to get into this um like i said it's the same with with transactions i mean Whenever you um, you know sign into a new DAP on Wax with your with your Wax wallet, and the, you know the the box pops up, um, you know you can scan it. You can get a general idea for for what that transaction will do. Um, but does anyone ever actually check the code and what that smart contract will do on a technical basis? I, I tend not to, um, and I don't think a lot of other users will. Same with Ethereum. You know, if you have um, if you have to sign. Uh, a contract when you're doing anything on ETH, um, it will tell you the name of the contract and say, hey, you know, this is generally what this contract will do, but does anyone read the code itself? No, not really. And like I said, we can't really be expecting users to do that. And it's something that will need to become smoother over time whilst retaining the, the kind of the safety aspect. I'm not sure how we bridge that gap between, you know, hey, crypto you know you're responsible for your own holdings you're responsible for your own wallet and you should inherently trust these smart contracts and these systems and you know nothing's going to be stolen all your assets are safe etc i think that's a, a line we're going to have to cross uh, at some point uh, and at this stage i'm not quite sure how we how we tackle that problem can i quickly ask you a question um let's say you find a project could be a wax could be on ethereum whatever yeah and you haven't heard about heard about it you just just started with it and you think okay well, i'll have a look at this mm-hmm. and then you create an account and it pops up with a smart contract um with you know a lot of code in it whatever yep what would you do next that's a good question um so it, it kind of depends what that contract is asking me to do so for example if you sign into a brand new wax game the first contract you'll usually be presented with and asked to sign is hey this dap wants to know your your dot wham or whatever and i'm like okay that makes sense i'm happy to accept that um but once you get past that and it's into hey there's you need to sign this transaction to get your assets into the game or hey Mm. you're going to be staking something that's when i kind of have to pause and have a deeper look i yeah. often i think most users at that point even if they look at the code won't really know what they're looking at um i think from from my point of view if i look at the code i'm not 100 percent sure what i'm looking at but i get a general gist of what it's doing um so so yeah i wouldn't say i i get a second opinion or check that smart contract with anybody else i tend to have kind of a cursory scan of uh, of what that contract is if it's something that's a bit unexpected um, and then just proceed. Um, but if it's a smart contract that's, let's say, I'm staking an NFT or receiving tokens, or you know, a game wants to know the, my wallet address, if I'm honest, I usually just sign them without checking. Um, that's bad practice, <laughs> um, but can be. Mm. Yeah, I, I so 
I've had I've had this a few times. Obviously, I look at brand new games. I get contacted with new projects, and they want me to have a look. And I often have to sign smart contracts. And I genuinely presume that I'm the dumbest, most scammable human on earth when I go into these things. I just yeah. I just presume that people are trying to scam me because yeah. you know they they might well be. Yeah, like we've we've not been scammed yet, but we've we've had <clears throat> that. Uh, rug pull projects that we were working with that yep. we we did a load of checks on them uh, and then they ended up being a rug pull they, they didn't get anything from us but mm-hmm. they did get from stuff a small amount from some people yep. um so i just won't i just won't sign them i just I, I leave it like I, i'll go deeper into the uh, so i'll read i'll read it and if it wants to know my usernames and stuff fine don't care if it uh, but when it comes to things like staking that's when I'm I'm mega careful, particularly mm. with a, a lot of them enforce limits on when you can get that back out, how long yeah. the minimum oh, stake yeah. time. Mm-hmm. So I, and surely I know more than the average Web3 user. I, I hope I know more than the, the average Web3 user, given that I work full-time in, in crypto. Yep. And I would still, if it's too long, the smart contract, or I don't understand some of it, I just won't sign it. And yep. If I'm a little bit unsure, I'll do more due diligence. I'll check mm-hmm. the project's you know, status within the community. I'll try and look at the team behind it. I, I try and soothe myself with those sort of details. Yep. So if we're doing stuff like that, then we're obviously quite away from having the infrastructure there so that anybody can can safely operate inside Web3 without oh, absolutely. You know, risk. I mean, scams will yep. always happen. Scams still happen in banking regularly. Oh. Um, but I think that should kind of be our benchmark now. We need yep. we need scams to happen around as frequently as outside of Web3. And at the moment, I don't... Not that it's rife with scams, but it's so much easier to scam because of the confusion yep. that I think we need to improve. Whenever there's a new medium, there's a uh, an influx of people jumping on to try and you know exploit that system to get mm. money or whatever it may be and as time goes on and as more people try different ways to scam people in the, the, the kind of the wider community wises up and uh, you know builds things to prevent these scams or block them uh, so yeah i think over time and um, whilst the scam attempts might become more elaborate um that will help the wider community to, to build ways to to prevent them uh, i mean as we're recording this uh, i don't know if you're aware there's been a mass kind of hacking spree in the last 24 hours have you heard of this mm, we've been dealing with our own fires because ah. part of google melted and they were our hosts ah, <laughs> so, right. <laughs> uh, no go on tell so me. um I, I think it was early this week maybe tuesday wednesday uh yuga labs the people behind uh board ape your mm. club and a couple of other projects put out a tweet saying um we are aware and are tracking um this kind of malicious group and they're looking to um, kind of attack Web3 users through co- uh, compromised social media accounts um, in the near future, so keep an eye out. Uh, and within right. the last 24 hours, um, there's been numerous high-profile um, kind of Web3 personalities have their, their Twitters compromised and they, you know, start posting phishing links. Um, quite a few YouTubers have been affected as well, uh, strangely enough. So um, you guys know mm. I'm a big Formula 1 fan. There's this big channel called Driver61 who does kind of regular videos on kind of the technical aspects of Formula 1. His videos get like, you know, 750 million views apiece. He's got tons of subscribers. And his his YouTube account got hacked and is now running a, a live stream promoting Ripple <laughs> and directing people to uh, a phishing link. So, yeah, there's a there's a kind of weird kind of Web3-centric kind of hack going on this way. And numerous people's Discord accounts have been uh, compromised recently as well. So, I mean, if you're listening yeah. to this, especially at the time being, um, just double-check... Uh, you know, if if your favourite influencer on Twitter or Discord or YouTube or whatever posts something that seems a bit strange, just uh, have some caution before uh, clicking uh, on anything that they've posted. But yeah, it's um, as I've said, as time goes on and people kind of wise up to the most uh, the most common scam methods, I think the community in general will find ways to, to kind of block off and, and prevent them. I mean, when I entered the NFT space, um, kind of February last year. A lot of the scams were quite rudimentary and from my point of view, pretty obvious. Like if I get a Discord DM saying, hey, you can get free Discord Nitro here or hey, click on this link to be whitelisted for this project. I'm like, 
Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> I don't, get, don't think I'm going to be doing that. But uh, nowadays, I, I see much, much fewer um, DMs of that ilk. And it's more, I wouldn't necessarily say targeted ones, but every now and again, it'll be, let's say it's a, a project that I follow uh, on Wax. I'll get a DM from, um, let's say, a, it's an account that's basically named after that project. And it'll say, hey, we're doing an exclusive sale soon. And here's the details and here's a link. And I mm. think that's not as obvious as the initial pay you one half a Bitcoin. And I think more people will fall for that um, currently. Uh, yeah. But like I said, o- over time, as people wisen up, the scams have to become more elaborate. And they can only get more elaborate to a point before they become, um, well, that, that it's not really worth the time and money invested to, to set up the scams in the first place. Yeah, so... I was thinking about some of the ways um, crypto has been perceived. So that's obviously the topic at the heart of this is how crypto's, the perception of Web3 and crypto and blockchain has changed over time. And I think one of the problems we're kind of still trying to escape is the shady side of crypto, which... There is, I mean, Chainalysis have an excellent report on uh, crypto being used in criminal activity and it is less than fiat currencies, um, percentage-wise, that's traced back to crime like money laundering or drugs and so on. But the problem is Bitcoin particularly, that Bitcoin's history was very much tied up with Silk Road, which if you don't know what Silk Silk Road is, please have a Google because it's it's a very, very interesting story, but it was essentially a, a market. It was like ebay for things that could never ever ever be on ebay um and i I think it took a long while for crypto's image to be rehabilitated from silk road Uh, a lot of people particularly in the early days of bitcoin when the prices were starting to rise and rise a lot of people were still extremely wary of that and i think we joked about this before but i'm still convinced there's people that are now multi multi-millionaires off of selling dodgy stuff on silk road no no, no absolutely kind of crazy but absolutely yeah i think we've been rehabilitated in terms of the cryptos crypto industry's image has been somewhat rehabilitated from its roots in the silk road and all this shady activity um, but it feels like now so what I mean by rehabilitated really is that the media don't mention it as much as they used to. It no. used to be a, a drum they banged a lot. Yep. Whereas now it feels like they they move from that to environmental, um, mm. the environmental impact, which just to be clear, I think was fair, uh, particularly with Ethereum and Bitcoin. So a lot of reports, I've said this before, but a lot of reports suggest that the, uh, the amount of energy usage and the damage it was doing was overestimated mm. and then exaggerated yeah. but it just made for good headlines yeah but even if it even if it wasn't it's something we need to improve because it doesn't need to be you know proof of work it can be proof of stake or delegate proof of stake or so on uh and i think we're again it feels like we're coming through so that that was like the next phase you know first it was shady then it was bad for the environment and now I think we're starting to make headway with that. I see fewer and fewer journalists outside of Web3 mentioning um, that sort of thing. Although until Ethereum changes to Ethereum 2.0, I think it will probably persist. And now it's like there's low, it's unsafe and, and there's loads of scams. And I think that's kind of what we're in at the moment. I'm not, what do you think? Do you, do you think that's the the third stage of this sort of cynicism we see in in media? I think just to take a step back, um, I think even though media sites in general aren't talking about Silk Road anywhere near as much as they used to, there's still that connotation that blockchain and crypto and all that is used for shady activities and it's all drug dealing and you know buying hit for hires on the Silk Road, etc. <laughs> And I still don't think that's... Even though Silk Road doesn't mention that stigma hasn't gone away. Um, no, probably not completely. There's a more general point. If we look back at any kind of groundbreaking technological advancement, whether that's the mobile phone, the internet, whatever, initially it's just for the few nerds that understand it. 
And then usually people hate it or say, why do we need this? Like, you know, with email, people are like, oh, just send a letter. Or with the internet, it's like, well, why, <laughs> yeah. why would I use this? You know, I could, why would I use eBay or Amazon? I can just go to a shop and buy things. And then mm. it goes to people become a bit more accepting and then everyone's using it. And I think Web3 at the moment is at that everyone still hates it phase. <laughs> but I think we're slowly yeah. moving into the uh, the acceptance portion of 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 where we're at with that um i'm yeah. sure someone's done a study on that and has some kind of hierarchy or like you know graph to show <laughs> you know with like names for different sections or whatever but i i can't recall yeah. it off the top of my head but but yeah i think in in general i mean this is something i've written an article about on nft insider uh relatively recently is that the, the overwhelming majority of uh mainstream media coverage of um, crypto nfts web3 is still quite negative um mm-hmm. there are one or two big name sites that try to stay as neutral as possible um but i mean i talked to I talked about kotaku to death um the, the way they report on anything nft or web3 related it just blows my mind so oh, pc gamer yeah yeah no pc gamer and there's there's many many more um but i mean as we said before I think I don't know if you said it on pod or off, but give it a couple of years, and I would be shocked if those same sites aren't starting to write, um, maybe not overly positive, but at least more neutral and balanced things about Web three, and have turned around to become a bit more accepting of it. And I think once once the media sites do that, then the player bases will do. And yeah, I think we're heading to a future where this technology is going to become more accepted, and people are going to. Um, People are going to, you know, start to see the benefits of it and not fall for the, uh, you know, the over-exaggerations about environmental impact or that, you know, it's all Ponzi schemes or mm. it's all used for drug dealing. Um, but those those stigmas take a while to, to tackle. Yeah, so funnily enough, I had a meeting with a pretty big game studio in Web3 and we were discussing the mainstream media coverage and, and how bad it is and... I was trying to imagine how they're going to row back on this because they will. I mean, they will have to row back. So I think they're just going to say that, you know, the the first, let's say grit. I don't think, I don't think necessarily that's going to be the game that, you know, changes everything, but let's say grit is that um, anomaly. It's like the technological singularity that brings everything into, into web three I think they'll, they'll say that everything before that just was awful and that they were right, but it just, it wasn't good enough. And my issue with that is that they, particularly people like PC Gamer who have been tastemakers for 20, 30 years, yeah. um, they ought to have been at the forefront building. They ought to have been supporting the growth of it, yeah. not shitting on it from a great height, mm-hmm. which is all they're, all they're doing. I mean, yeah. we're, Dave and I were moaning about an article this week where I, I say article it was 151 words and it was just to moan that tony hawk had joined sandbox and that's it that was the only purpose of it, it was 100 151 words is absolutely nothing pathetic amount i mean you could nearly tweet that rather than write as an article yeah and they're going to have to do this this sort of rowing back which i think is going to be interesting and that is why i have a folder of, of screenshots of places like pc gamer and i'm gonna be like you know when we were there plugging away trying to rehabilitate the image you were making it as difficult as possible and now it's valuable to you to speak positively about blockchain technology well actually i think this is an important point actually it i mean for the first time i think i think it was like 2014 is when blockchain and cryptocurrencies were separated out yeah. Because it hasn't, or this is part of history that the history of crypto that we don't talk about enough. But until about 2014, 2015, with like colored coins and stuff, blockchain technology was just cryptocurrencies, really. Mm-hmm. And then blockchain technology is now separated out. And then we saw the rise of things like Ethereum and the many altcoins, but then the other applications as well. And I, I still don't think that, even though that's been, you know, the case for, eight years now i still don't think that the public at large really 
have any not any idea i'm not i don't want to be patronizing but any sort of notion that these two things are separate in any way and this is why i avoid talking to people outside of web3 about crypto like i don't say i work in crypto when asked unless i know that they're in crypto because i just get into a conversation people will have the strongest opinions that i just don't want to discuss (laughs) which is annoying Um, funny i've just just, sorry just to jump in there but um i'm i'm currently kind of in the early stages of possibly moving uh where i live Hmm. um moving where i live what a strange way of putting that anyway um we had an estate agent around to kind of take pictures of the place um a couple of days ago and just in casual conversation, they asked, oh, so what do you do? And I was like, oh, you know, I, I'm into crypto and blockchain. So why is it always really awkward to kind of say that yeah. to people? Do you feel that as well? I'm 100%. like, oh, I'm, I'm in, you know, blockchain and cryptocurrencies. And he was like, oh, yeah, I bought into some coins like several months ago. And I was like, oh, yeah, what are those? And he, you know, he'd say, you know, a bit of Bitcoin, but everything, which I mean, is more than most people. But then mm. immediately went on to, oh, you know, markets crashed, you know, oh, you mustn't be doing yeah. very well at the moment then, blah, 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 which is like, yeah. I mean, it, it's cool, but it seems no matter who, if you talk to anybody who's outside the Web3 industry um, about crypto or NFTs or, or, or blockchain or, or, or any part of it, it's, if not off the bat, very quickly goes into a very kind of negative kind of t- like conversation. It's like, yeah. oh, you must be losing a lot of money. Or, oh, that's that thing that's destroying the planet. Or, yeah. oh, you know, that's that thing that gamers hate, isn't it? It's like, come on, man. <laughs> like, there's, if it was something that had nothing but negatives associated with it, I, I don't know if it would be the industry I'd be working in. <laughs> and I've, I, had friend, I've had friends I've known for years come up to me and say that. And I'm like, you, you know me better than that, surely. Yeah, I, I, I don't discuss with, <clears throat> I had, uh, I, I don't know if I mentioned this on the pod, but last Christmas, I was at a Christmas, my group of friends from school, there's about 20 of us, and we go out for Christmas dinner every year. And yep. the conversation of crypto came up because we were, I think at Christmas, it was just the start of the dip. Um, yeah. And loads of people in my group that had bought cryptocurrencies were just discussing with each other about how much people they knew had lost in this dip. Mm-hmm. And I just shuffled away because I just, mm-hmm. I, I just, I don't, I don't want to discuss it because I feel like this is something I say all the time and it sounds like a bit like a line, but it's not, it really isn't. I don't care that much for cryptocurrencies. I see their value and I, I enjoy them and I like the borderless payments and the transparency. And I think it has a lot of value, but I'm not, that's not what interests me. That's not why I work in here. I work because yeah. I think blockchain tech is going to revolutionize gaming. And, and that's, yeah. you know, that was my draw. But I think what I would love to see, and, and this might happen over time, is I'd love to see people um, understanding, and you'll only get this through use cases, that blockchain technology has myriad uses in so many areas. I mean, obviously it has the uses in finance with P2P payments, the international transfers I just mentioned and borderless money and then the transparency, blah, 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 blah. But outside of finance, it has so many uses because at the moment it feels like it's finance, art and gaming. That's that's all people think that this world can, can do and even that it yeah. can't do very well and blah, blah, blah. But mm-hmm. the early examples we've seen already are it can do a lot for logistics, um, supply tra- chains, uh, healthcare, music, um, housing, real estate, like uh, even they're even looking like voting for government because obviously you can yeah. have your ID verified and your vote will be on chain and immutable. There's so many ways in which this technology can revolutionise modern society, and it sounds kind of like a like I'm gone into cult language there, but there's so much it can revolutionise yeah. that I think once people start seeing that it can make almost everyone's lives better, that. Mm-hmm that's when we go into the next stage where people are like accepting it. And one thing, when you were last speaking, one of the things, which was a while ago now, because I've, I've been on one, um, <laughs> one of the things I was thinking is you were talking about uh, how people are, are seen and like you feel a bit awkward and you're like almost ridiculed for being involved in this. Yeah, I bet absolute carbon copy was when um, people were involved in uh, the internet when the dot-com bubble burst. So when oh, that yeah. bubble, but yeah. I, I bet it was. I bet they were having the same conversation. I bet people were mm-hmm. like, 
uh, oh, I don't work in .com stuff. I just believe in the internet. Like, don't talk to me about .com. So, like, I bet, it's a, I bet it's the same conversations and people having the same problems that they see the value in something that was briefly overvalued in the wrong way. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm just, um, I thought as you were talking about that, I'd try and look up some headlines from when the, the .com bubble burst. And yeah, a lot of them are along the lines of, oh, you know, internet's dead. You know, this this technology that was no good in the first place. Oh, it's gone. You know, you don't need to worry about it anymore. And, you know, the internet's today crucial to uh, the vast majority of our everyday lives. Um, I'm not going to go so far as to say, oh, crypto is going to be absolutely crucial for everybody in 10 years. Um, but I definitely think it's got more use cases and will play a bigger part in, in the lives of people, of many of you guys listening um, than some people might think um, at at this moment in time. So to dive back into the cultish rabbit hole, it almost feels as if, I don't want to coin a phrase here, but okay, fine, I'll coin a phrase. Um, (laughs) I mean, you've coined a few things on this podcast. I think it's time for me to do one. Um, Do it. There's what I can only describe as the great lie of crypto and blockchain and Web3. And it's, I'm, I'm not sure if it's, you know, mainstream media that kind of started the perpetration of it, but there's always been, you know, people saying about the the poor environmental impact and that it's only used for scams and blah blah blah. All of this has started from somewhere, and I know with Silk Road there was a direct example where people could point out and be like, "Look, Bitcoin's being used for purchasing drugs and firearms and hit for hires." Um, but the environmental impact and the fact that it's pointless for gamers, etc. All of these ideas. Um, that are now kind of widespread beliefs within kind of the Web2 community have obviously started from somewhere and been perpetuated from somewhere and have been picked up by media and influencers and then, you know, distributed to the wider population. Um, I, Mm. I mean, I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist here, but, you know, there's, I think that is the kind of the great lie of, of Web3 right now is that it is, is viewed as this, you know, pointless development, this pointless, um, uh, pointless uh, technology. There's no use. It's just full of ponzi's and scams, and you know, bad actors. And you should stay a million miles away from it. When in reality, that's that's nothing like the case. Um, I mean, if I, I I was on Reddit yesterday, I thought because the the global NFT summit is happening this week, and I just wrote an, you know, an article about it. I thought I'd go to one of the um, the London-based subreddits and be like, hey, there's this NFT event happening in London this week. Um, and it immediately got um, several not very savoury uh, comments to it, being like, so, some of them were like, oh, you know, ladies, be careful, they might spike your drink, which was like, Jesus Christ, that's going a tad far. What's that based on? Yeah, I mean, this is, this is kind of what I'm getting at. You know, there's... Anything Web3, the people in Web3, the brands in Web3, the technology itself, anybody who works at it, anybody who looks at mm. Web3 is just vilified. And I just don't... I, I don't get where this is all being perpetuated from, if I'm honest. Um, there has to be a, a source where these opinions kind of first came to fruition. And I, I don't know. It's just disappointing to see from my point of view, if I'm honest. Um, some of the well, kind that, of the, some of the less vile comments were along the lines of, oh, I'm just going to stand there and laugh at all of you people buying monkey JPEGs and haha. I'm like, there wasn't one positive comment, and no, there there won't be. I, I don't I don't really let those kind of comments get to. But it's like, can, can there be one person being like, this seems cool. I might check it out. Or you know, it's no, it's 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 the opposite. It's it's cool to. It's called a bash. fire derision. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, uh, at Web three, and it's it's weird because the original, I, I think the original conspiracy theory on why blockchain technology, cryptocurrencies, was trying to be held down, was that the large banks saw it as a threat. But I don't think you can you can play that narrative anymore because no, I think the banks the are starting banks to move are invested. into it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. A lot of the the major hedge funds certainly have invested in in crypto. A lot of the major banks have. I mean, some of them have got land in Decentraland. Like, they're they're really, HSBC, um, JP Morgan, a lot of the really major banks have have invested. So I don't know if maybe that's just a hang up from when perhaps they were pushing a narrative, but... 
Uh, yeah, I, I don't, don't know, know where it comes from anymore. But are, are there downsides to the current implementation of blockchain technology? Absolutely. And we've talked about them mm. to death on this podcast. You know, ridiculous yeah. pricing. Um, you know, so, some ways some of these, um, you know, major brands are incorporating NFTs. is just ridiculous. I mean, we've talked about Ubisoft's NFTs in the past. They were a joke, quite frankly. Um, so, so, yeah, is the current implementation bad in a lot of areas? Yes, of course it is. Is the underlying technology itself something that should be vilified and hated? No. I think that the technology itself has a lot of useful applications. Um, yeah. So, but I think people, I don't want to sound patronizing, but there's a difference between the potential of the technology itself and how people are utilizing it at the moment. How people are utilizing yeah. it is the, you know, where people should kind of have a, not derision per se, but should be unhappy about it. But the underlying technology is just say, oh, this implementation is pretty bad, but the technology is interesting. You know, yeah. I can see it having useful applications. I can see where this might be helpful to me rather than monkey JPEGs are bad and, uh, you know, everyone who likes NFTs is racist and it's, you know, selling drugs or it's just, it's but it, it, it it's a never... tired trope at this point. It's going to take a very long time for those kinds of uh, associations to, to wither away. Yeah, see, I, I think there's one thing just to clarify is that it's never going to go from, you know, monkey, JPEGs, lol, to uh, crypto and NFTs and blockchain is amazing. Like, I can't believe I didn't no, no, see no. it. It's, we're never going to get that moment of no. um, <laughs> a vindication. It, it's just going to be accepted and it will just be part of standard life and people will forget that there was ever really backlash against it. Yeah. Uh, which will be, I mean, it won't be quite as vindicating as we might like, but I think that's where it's headed and, and yep. that's, uh, it, it'll be vindicating to us and we will bang on about it, about how we were there when yeah. everyone hated it. I mean, so th- th- this, for us. this isn't a predictions episode, but I, I wouldn't want to hedge bets as to when that kind of crossover will, will happen no. <laughs> because I don't, oh, God, no. I don't think either of us could be anywhere close. Um, I think it'll be, I think it'll be a while. Yeah, I think it's you're talking five to ten years rather than, mm. you know, any time in the relatively near future, let's say the next one to two yeah. years. But as we said before, as as more brands, as more people come into the space, um, as more respected figures start speaking positively about the space, uh, and as its, as its benefits keep being applied in worthwhile areas that people find helpful, um, that uh, transition will start to happen i think it is happening as we speak you know i I mean as we're talking there's people building you know useful viable uses for blockchain technology um and that's only going to continue so yeah absolutely yeah well i I feel like episode 31 we've gone back to to ranting again but (laughs) yeah but it's ended on a positive (laughs) note and i started with an unnecessary history lesson that i thoroughly enjoyed even though probably no one else will so uh, yeah, we we covered a lot, covered a lot of ground. Yeah, and now I'm absolutely sweltering. Um, oh, I'm, I'm, so. I'm so hot. I, I can't work out because I I can't have my own face on the screen while I'm recording because I, I find it very odd, <laughs> very distracting. Yeah. So um, I don't have it showing. But every now and again, I'm opening the window. I'm gonna open it now to have a look. Oh. Um, just to see, am I really shiny? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, my hair is just going all over the place. Mm. Uh, it's so hot. It's so hot in this office. That's Plus, awful. Uh, as you might be able to tell from my video, the, the light I've got facing me is, is... I've got a huge LED video light and it is beaming heat at me as well. <laughs> and I can't have a fan on because you can hear it and it will affect... Oh. Oh, I'm very flustered right now, but that was a good episode. I think, I think that was a good episode. Oh, it was good. It was good. So um, before either of us dies of heat stroke um i think we should head to the outro so rob where can we find you yes before we get heat stroke and also before my camera gets heat stroke uh we've been having technical we had technical problems with my camera last week uh, and yes i am a photographer and sort of videographer so that's very embarrassing but my sony camera is playing up and it keeps disconnecting which is why you've seen these little cuts it's not because of something sinister i don't know what that would be anyway anyway you can find us on tokengamer.io where we post daily blockchain gaming news competitions giveaways blah 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 blah. then we've got the wax companion app and blockchain gaming news app token gamer which is on ios and android 
twitch.tv forward slash token gamer youtube forward slash token gamer news um are our twitch and youtube channels we stream on tuesdays and thursdays at 9 p.m utc and uh we've got we've started that new series the what is uh, based on total biscuits wtf is mm. uh so you should be able to see the first two episodes of that which are on ev.io and um forge arena and we've got a third one coming uh god what else have we got i don't know we've got it feels like we've got so much stuff these days but yeah that's that's probably the bulk of it i reckon um where can people find you john so for uh, the latest NFT news, you can head to nftinsider.io. Um, we've made a few changes to the site this week, um, a few little tweaks to the uh, to the homepage, and now we'll, we actually have a sidebar. It's only taken me a year and a half um, <laughs> with kind of latest tweets, latest articles, all that good stuff whenever you click on an article. So um, yeah, playing around with a few things on the site, trying to kind of upgrade the experience for you guys and get um, the... Uh, the latest NFT news to you in uh, as quick and easy uh, and as digestible a fashion as possible. And um, we do have a sign up form for our upcoming newsletter on the homepage as well. So if you go to nftinsider.io, scroll halfway down the page and enter your email, you'll be signed up for our newsletter, which, uh, fingers crossed, you'll be coming out in the next few weeks. Um, for the social medias, it is nftinsider underscore io. And we have a giveaway for, uh, I believe it's some Dr. Zamzi NFTs at the moment on our Twitter. Um, so yeah, so head to the NFT inside of Twitter if you'd like to see those. Uh, for me personally, it is at Hydropowered, H-Y-D-R-O-P-W-R-D on Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Clubhouse, um, Facebook, MySpace, Facebook, um, Telegram, Ask Jeeves. Oh, Ask Jeeves, that's a blast from the past. Um, <laughs> not Ask Jeeves, but, but yeah, um, everywhere that you'd want to find me. Um, still tweeting every day about the latest happenings in the nft space so if you want to keep in the loop with what's going on um head there and again as i mentioned earlier in the podcast there's currently kind of a wave of a kind of compromised social medias and you know discord accounts and youtubes etc at the moment so just be extra vigilant when you're clicking on links in the space and uh you probably want to check um your own connections to things as well and uh, if you want to be extra safe set new passwords you know redo your 2fa all that good stuff um yeah, I think that's... Uh, oh, actually, that's not all for me. Uh, I'm going to be at the Global NFT Summit in London this Friday, uh, and I will be in London for a few days. So um, if you, a dear listener, are in the London area and want to come say hello, um, just hit me up on Discord, Twitter, wherever. And uh, yeah, it'll be uh, nice to see you. But I'm looking forward to that event. It should be good. It's nice to have a kind of mm. a headline NFT event in the UK for once. Yeah, I'm looking forward to NFT London. That'll be, uh, see if it can keep up with NYC. But yeah, it is yeah, good to have some fingers, more stuff. Fingers crossed it'll be better organised than NFT NYC was. As good as the event was, the uh, the organisation side could have done with some uh, some improvements, let's say. But I've already <laughs> given them my yeah. feedback, so no need to go into it anymore. <laughs> okay, I think that is... Uh, Sorry. I think that's everything. Mike. Yeah. Um. My camera has disconnected again, so you're probably <laughs> looking at a frozen JPEG of my face. Um, I am very angry and very hot right now. Uh, but what? Uh, but enjoyable episode, and uh, do you want to to do the outro in your radio voice? Because I like that. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, let's go with it. So, um, listeners, thank you very much for listening to episode 31 of the Mint One podcast, whether you're seeing my uh, or our wonderful faces on youtube or on your favorite podcast platform um if you are checking out the uh, the podcast on youtube then uh, do give the video a like and subscribe um so you are you are informed whenever we publish a, a new episode um but otherwise thank you very much once again for listening to episode 31 and we hope you tune in again next week